Welcome to Bad Table Talk. I'm your host, Oliver Niehaus, and this is where we break down all of the current news and talk about everything you aren't supposed to talk about at the dinner table. That being politics, religion, money, and more. My goal with this series is to provide easy-to-listen, informative segments addressing the most pressing issues we face, and to start much-needed conversations as a result. As always, thanks go out to my friend Oscar Gregg for providing the music you hear, and you should all check out his single Acrobats, which will be linked in the podcast notes below. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. And feel free to also share your thoughts with me via email, which is linked below as well. So sit back and relax while I talk about how utterly fucked we are as a country. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Sort of. All joking aside, regardless of where you stand politically, I hope everyone is motivated by what they hear to research more about these issues and feels ready to contribute to making our nation a better place for everyone. Thank you and please enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome to Bad Table Talk. I am your host Oliver Niehaus and the final presidential debate just wrapped up between Donald Trump and Joe Biden obviously and it was definitely a different spectacle than the first debate that we saw. Obviously, um, no one lit themselves on fire, for lack of a better term. Um, it seemed to be much more civil. Um, <clears throat> it seemed as if the turning off of mics, as the um, Commission for Presidential Debates had declared that mics would be off during two-minute um, response periods, did not actually lead to anyone interrupting too much or had to be used a whole lot. I think, you know, that kind of was more of a slap on the wrist sort of thing, like, hey, you got to do this. And therefore, um, if you don't, we're seriously going to, you know, turn off your mic. Um, there were a few times in which um, <clears throat> Trump, you know, was cut off by turning off the mic. But overall, it was a much more uh, civilized debate in general, definitely touched on a lot of things, um, but nothing like the spectacle we saw uh, night one. I think that was a a once in a lifetime thing, hopefully, and, you know, rightfully so. I don't think we ever want to see that type of, you know, debate, especially between, you know, the two people, or, you know, especially one of the people who is currently the president of the United States and um, the other one who's potentially president, going to be president. So, yeah, on those topics, um, <clears throat> I guess we can just hop right in with what was discussed uh, mainly at the debate. Obviously, as um, is typical and as expected, and obviously I think most people would be worried if this wasn't the f uh, uh, forefront of the debate, it was the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, come on now, we've, we've been in this for seven months. We know how it goes. Obviously, this is very important. This is something that has you know drastically changed everything about people's lives. So jumping right in, uh, Trump, you know, he is giving the first opportunity to speak. And the first thing that he says and the first thing that he talks about is basically like, oh, well, I know 200,000 people died, but it could have been 2.2 million. He was like, he actually said that is the estimate. Is it 2.2 million people? No, that was not the estimate. That is what the CDC and, and um, infectious disease experts said would happen if we did nothing. Nothing happened. No mask, no, uh, no encouragement of masks, no social distancing requirements, nothing. If we literally just went right through 2.2 million. So no, he did not save 2.2 million lives, as he likes to say. He just impl he implemented minimal policy that led to way too many people dying. But there, in no way can he say that he saved 2.2 million lives. Um, <clears throat> he keeps talking about how other countries, um, you know, have been hit as hard as we have. Uh, yeah, but they handled it better. They instituted lockdowns. They listened to the scientists. Countries like New Zealand are completely back open. Again, with little minimal to no social distancing, it is shown that when action is taken early and leaders act in the best interests of their people, it leads to lower mortality rates, lower infection rates. But that's not what happened in our country because we don't have a president who prioritizes the health and safety of the American people. Uh, Trump keeps talking about how he's been congratulated by world leaders. I failed to find any sort of fact checking on this. I tried to look it up. No, 
no one is calling him, thanking him, maybe other than Putin, because this pandemic has op- has occupied us so much that we we haven't had the ability to deal with Russia. I mean, if we're going to be honest here, though, Trump wouldn't deal with Russia even if we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic. But there was nothing there, nothing substantive to actually warrant that kind of claim. So there's nothing really there. Uh, Biden obviously is ac- um, asked about the same question, and he goes right on the <clears throat> offensive about Trump's inaction, you know, rightfully so. Trump has not done what is needed to happen. He knew back, obviously, in February, as when he had this interview with Bob Woodward, that this pandemic was deadly with a five to one death ratio, which is actually higher than it is. But he knew it was deadlier than the flu. He obviously knew it was deadlier than the flu. He said this travels through the air. It's just by breathing, you know, but but he has been against the encouragement of masks. He keeps questioning the validity of them, despite there being unanimous scientific consensus that wearing a mask is one of the most effective, if not the most effective way, other than obviously not interacting with people, to mitigate and minimize the risk of you contracting the virus. So there's that. Uh, And yeah, Biden goes on to the fact that someone who is responsible for 200,000 Americans dead should not be president. I had a friend say this, and I agree with it very much so. Is that technically under the under the law, Trump could be charged with negligence, which led to the death of 200,000 Americans, gross and reckless negligence, which led to these people dying because he admitted he knew information. He knew information, actually, that he that 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 he released to individual, you know, senators and uh, people on Wall Street who then w- therefore went and told all their investors, yo, you better start pulling your stock. People like uh, Bill Burr. Richard Burr, I apologize, and Kelly Loeffler, or Leffler, however you say her name, who ended up doing a bunch of stock buybacks and basically did lots of insider trading with knowledge that they had that the American people had. So instead of going to the American people with the information that he had regarding the pandemic, he and other Republicans, and honestly, some Democrats too, some Democrats pulled out stock. Absolutely. It happens on both sides. But primarily, this happened much more on the Republican side, in which Republicans decided to tell their investors and decided to pull out of their own tradings to save save money, but not lives. It's that simple. They care more about their money and their power than they do lives. That should not be a surprise to you. If anything I just said was a surprise to you, then you're not paying attention. Because that's exactly how our system is set up to work. So... Trump, then is then there's a discussion surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic again regarding the vaccine. Trump has has constantly touted the fact that a vaccine will be here by the end of the year. There is not one doctor, credible doctor, who has said that. People like Dr. Redfield, Dr. Fauci say earliest the vaccine will be here <clears throat> spring, summer of 2021. And yet then you still have to distribute it to millions of people. And on top of that, 40, only 40% of Americans say they would be willing to take a vaccine at this point. Maybe when you politicize the, the heck out of a process, people are not willing to take a vaccine when it seems that political. And Johnson & Johnson just had a huge issue with some of their testing, with, with some of their vaccine development. So this idea that he, he mentioned Johnson & Johnson as one of their, um, as one of the people who are coming out with vaccines very soon, yet Johnson & Johnson is still experiencing setbacks. It's almost like when you rush a process it leads to problems. This is the issue. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Trump basically, not basically, he failed from the start. He failed to condemn, he failed to contain the pandemic. He failed to take any of the necessary actions to mitigate the risks, not, not um, encouraging the use of social distancing and masks and any of that. 
and basically was like, okay, well, you know, this is just going to keep failing and failing. Okay, there's nothing I can do about it now. Well, now I think the vaccine is just going to be the end all be all. Finally, a vaccine is going to come and it's just going to solve all of the problems that I created due to my inaction. That, that, that's basically what he's saying. And the issue is that's not true. Because one, a vaccine is not coming for a while and a lot more people are going to die. So we have to find better ways. And we don't have to find better ways. We have to implement the better ways that we already know to save lives. That's what's, that, that's what's at stake here. And that's what needs to be done. And that's what's not getting done. This is, this is how I view this entire situation with Trump. Under our current system of capitalism, it is if you are born wealthy and die poor, you really messed up. You really messed up in, I don't know, in every single way. And that's, this, that's how I view this pandemic. Trump was given every resource necessary walking into that White House to handle a global pandemic. Obama assembled a pandemic response team to deal with something exactly like this. The CDC ran an internal um, simulation back in 2018 in which they saw that the United States would not be able to handle a pandemic of this proportion and Trump was made aware of it and he did nothing about it. Trump was aware of all of this and he didn't do anything. And then once it came to our country, he still didn't do anything. He touts the travel ban from China in which he keeps perpetuating this. And Biden finally, finally, Biden actually um, re re um, refuted this for, for the longest time. Biden literally never said anything about this. And I wonder why. But he kept saying because because Trump keeps saying that Biden said he was xenophobic for um, shutting off travel from China. That, that is not the case. Biden didn't go on and say, oh, tr tr Biden did say, oh, yep, it's because you're xenophobic. And uh, I, I absolutely you are xenophobic, but I did not say you were xenophobic for shutting down the country. And that's correct. The reason Biden said he was xenophobic and it's very clear in the tweet is because he just kept calling it the Chinese virus. He was still calling it, obviously, at that point, the, the Chinese virus, which, you know, helps to dis disproportionately affect Asian Americans, hate crimes of which have been up due to this pandemic. So let's see. <clears throat> Trump keeps going after Biden with H1N1. Seems a little bit odd when you're in the middle of a global pandemic that you failed to contain and over 200,000 Americans are dead to go after the person who handled the pandemic that left only 12,000 people dead. And yes, there are different viruses, absolutely. But why would you want to start comparing pandemics? This isn't a competition of who messed up more. Like, I don't understand this. Even if Biden, and this isn't true, even if Biden botched the H1N1 response and it led to this, why does that make Trump's botched response any better? Just saying your opponent failed miserably, therefore I have the ability and freedom to mess up miserably as well doesn't make any sense. So I don't know anything about that. And it is very true that Trump was never tough on China with this virus. He keeps blaming China about it, blaming China. We'll get to the point, of, I guess I'll bring it up now, where Trump said, I take full responsibility. By the way, there's a clip of him when asked if he takes responsibility for what has happened. He says, no, I take no responsibility. But now he says he takes responsibility, but I kid you not in the same sentence, like people like to use the phrase in the same sentence, not literally. No, I mean it literally. He said this exact sentence. He said, oh, yes, of course, I take full responsibility, but it was China's fault. That's literally what he said. Like what? He doesn't even know what responsibility is. He's never taken responsibility for anything. He wants to take the he wants to take credit for the work of others, but not take responsibility for his own actions. He wants to take credit for an economy that he inherited, but not take responsibility for the pandemic that he ignored, as put brilliantly by Barack Obama. And he also tweeted back in January that he appreciated the transparency of President Xi in China.
So he keeps talking about, oh, China was this, China was that. It's interesting because Trump likes to say that China was being very transparent. <clears throat> Could it have been that China was being transparent because back in January, they he, they told Trump or President Xi told Trump how deadly this virus was and that's how we knew about it and that's how they were being transparent was by telling us how deadly it was? They, they, they mismanaged it. Absolutely, they mismanaged it. But Trump knew how deadly this was. We have him on tape acknowledging it. But then we also have him on camera a week later in press conferences saying that it is just as deadly as the, as the flu. And there's nothing, you know, there's nothing to worry about. That it's all going to be over by Easter, by the summer when the, when the weather gets warmer. I don't know what to say to that. Other than, obviously, that's not the case. So, um, Trump also kept talking about if Joe Biden is in a basement. Unless Joe Biden's basement has wings and like is able to fly him all over the country, uh, then no, Joe Biden's not in his basement. Joe Biden has been campaigning all over the country. What Joe Biden's probably or what Trump is probably referring to is when Biden was primarily in his house because of the deadliness of this pandemic and Biden being a 77 year old who actually takes precautions to protect himself from a pandemic, unlike Trump, who actually contracted the virus himself. Biden takes this seriously. He does. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a Biden fan. I don't like neoliberals. I don't. And I don't think all these problems are going to be solved under Biden. I don't, not that I think, I know they won't. And, that, and that, that's why it's so crucial that Biden gets elected is because the, the issue right now, the issue with our current system isn't Trump. The issue is capitalism. The issue is corporate donations and corporate money, many of which Biden has been involved in. I will acknowledge that Biden has received money from industries the same way Trump in four years has received money from industries. Trump likes to claim that he's not a career politician, yet in, yet in the last four years, he's already in the pocket of healthcare companies, drug companies, the NRA. So tr Trump needs to stop trying to slam Biden for taking money when he has literally been taking money. It makes absolutely no sense. So Trump, again, reiterated this false claim, 99.9% .9 of young people recover and 99% of people in general recover. That is false. It is a 3%, 3 to 4% death rate. So he's just lying. It's not true. 3 to 4% death rate currently is how many people die from that. And, and he said he takes full responsibility, but it's China's fault, obviously a direct contradiction. Biden said this interesting sentence, and I think this was obviously... I think well put. Um, it was he. Biden said that he wanted to shut down the virus, not the country, and he said that we can walk and chew gum at the same time, which is absolutely true. And Biden and or not Biden, Trump keeps talking about we can't shut down the country because people will commit suicide and people will you know are are, are depressed and they're out of work. Okay, why don't you pass legislation and help foster? like funding so that these people do, are not depressed, are not committing suicide, things of that sort. The only reason these people are like that is because you failed to act. You failed to save their lives. Every single person who kills themselves right now is on your hands. If they don't have money, it's on your hands because you failed to act. You failed to protect the American people. That's on you. So stop saying that, oh, we need to open the country because people are killing themselves. No, you need to get this pandemic under control. You, you, you needed to have gotten this pandemic under control sooner so that these people would not have died. That's what you needed to have done. Trump keeps saying we won't have a country if we shut it down. Yeah, we won't have any Americans left if we just reopen the country. Obviously, that's an exaggeration. Don't take that out of context. But yeah, a lot more people are going to die. This whole idea of herd immunity, that people like 
Rand Paul have tried to endorse who knows absolutely nothing about science or how this works. In order for herd immunity to be reached, not only would we have to let 500,000 more people die, half a million people more die for herd immunity to be reached, that, that, that's not even how herd immunity operates within a population. Because at least 65% to 70% of a population have to be immune in order for it to work. And that's never where we're getting. Trump keeps falsely claiming that he is now immune for a period of time no one knows. No, there is no research of that. And there are people who have currently now who have who got the coronavirus, recovered, and then got the coronavirus again. And then one person or a couple people, last time I checked, there was at least one person who got the coronavirus, recovered, got it again, and then died. You're not immune once you get it. That's not how this works. And Trump, by touting this, is basically saying to anyone who has tested positive and recovered that they're off the hook. They can go out in public. And that's just going to lead to further spread of this virus. What needs to happen is there needs to be increased funding. The government needs to help people out. The government to which we sometimes pay 50% of our income to needs to be there for us. And it's not. And that's not a critique on Trump. That's just a critique on our governmental system. But in general, that's what the government needs to do. The government needs to stop arguing about numbers in a book and needs to start helping the American people. Because while they're sitting around on their asses trying to negotiate stimulus, there are people who are dying currently. And I agree that there needs to be something put out there. But all of this criticism of Nancy Pelosi, yeah, she deserves her fair share of criticism for holding this process up. But Nancy Pelosi came to the table with over a $3 trillion package, which would actually help people cover child care for many people who would need that, cover increased access to food stamps, and have a higher $600 unemployment benefit that we had that Republicans tried to cut down to $450. In the middle of a global pandemic is not when you try to cut government spending, no matter who you are. You don't try to save pennies when people are dying. That's not how this works. The economy and the government work for the people. Actually, well, they, they don't currently work for the people. They're supposed to work for the people. They don't. They're supposed to work for the American people. We the people. But they don't. That's not how this works. And Trump keeps saying that Democratic states have spikes. Have you ever wondered that a lot of these Democratic states or these Democratic cities are indeed cities? Cities mean there are more people. And states like New York have had some of the worst outbreaks, but they've also gotten it under control. The, the, the test positivity rate in New York City is less than 1%. They have gotten it under control. They had a surge and now they've gotten it under control. Meanwhile, in a lot of Trump's so-called red states, there are now new surges. States like North Dakota, states, states like my own home state of Wisconsin have seen surges. Wisconsin is now the epicenter of the coronavirus pandemic. It's, it's remarkable that my school district is still operating. I don't know how much longer it's going to go on. Probably not much longer. So, and then Trump keeps saying this, and I will never understand. Actually, I will understand this because he doesn't care about facts. I need to stop pretending like I don't understand this. Trump keeps saying that Fauci said not to wear masks. Is that a true statement? It absolutely is. Is it a complete statement? Or does it obviously lack context like everything else he says? It lacks context. The reason Fauci said back in March, because I guess what people say back in March actually like like means that like ev that was true now. And it's not like we've gained any more research or knowledge or produced more masks so that people have access to them. The reason Fauci back in March said that people shouldn't like be wearing masks is because he didn't want people to be going out and buying masks in bulk like they did toilet paper 
And then having medical professionals who at the time were in higher demand or in a higher priority of needing masks, not being able to get them. That is the context. Fauci never said masks were not effective. Fauci never said that people should not wear masks now. He said, no, right now, don't go out and just buy tons of masks like people did toilet paper because that would really hurt the medical community and people who need them most at the point because we didn't have a stockpile of personal protective equipment. We didn't have a stockpile of ventilators. We didn't have that. Trump is basically blaming, and he keeps saying the Obama administration left us with the cupboards bare. That argument would work if it wasn't the third year of your presidency. If this was 2017, sure, you know, the virus comes in in January and you were just inaugurated and you're like, oh, they left us with nothing. Okay, fine. One, that's not true. There was stuff. But what you're basically doing is say you bought a pizza parlor and you and, and, you, and you run it for three years and then you blame the previous owner that you're out of napkins and supplies. Yeah. In three years, he could have built up the pandemic. Um, he could have built up the pandemic response, but instead he disbanded the pandemic response team and cut funding to organizations like the CDC. So it's, 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 it's a moot point here. There's, there's nothing there really. And Fauci never said that this virus wasn't bad. He didn't want everyone to go out and just buy masks when the medical professionals needed them most. So obviously then they get into this uh, stuff going on with voter um, intimidation and voting. Obviously, that's a huge contentious issue right now when, you know, one of the candidates is saying they, you know, may not accept the results of a free and fair election. Interesting, interesting. Or he said he would accept the results of a free and fair election, except for the fact that um, he already said that he's not willing to accept the results if he loses because of mail-in voting uh, being fraudulent, which there's no evidence to. But regardless, you know, he's trying to do whatever he can. But yeah, there have been recent um, undercover schemes by Iran and Russia where they have sent out emails and are trying to interfere with the election. This is the thing that I never understand. Or actually, I need to stop saying I don't understand. I 100% understand Donald Trump. I understand him completely. I understand exactly what he's doing, why he's doing it. And it's because, of, because he's selfish. He cares about nobody but himself. The reason Trump is never willing to be hard on Russia and never and never willing to admit that Russia interfered in the election, which the Mueller report stated. People like to say that the Mueller report leaves him off the hook. Yes, the Mueller report did not find enough evidence to conclusively state that Trump himself or his campaign colluded with Russia, but they did conclusively find, and Mueller stated this, that Russia interfered in the 2016 election. And Trump doesn't even acknowledge that fact. And Russia and Iran and China are currently trying to interfere in the 2020 election. And Donald Trump has so far done nothing about it because they're interfering on his behalf. Because it helps them for us to have a weak president who's not willing to stand up to them. That's, it helps them. Then they get into, you know, finances. Finances are very important. There have been many reports coming out recently surrounding um, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and stuff like that. Um, I'm going to say this once. Uh, I would probably not trust all of these reports by the New York Post that come out two weeks before the election. There's a reason of the timing, and I'm happy to hear out these cases when that happens. But just in general, it makes no sense why that would be the case. So then there is conversation surrounding Trump and his taxes. Obviously, how can that not come up considering that Trump has promised to release his tax returns for a very long time and has failed to do so um, since he announced his candidacy for president back in 2015, 2016. But yeah, he keeps saying, oh, when they're off of audit, I will release them. Just to set the record straight, there is nothing that is preventing someone from releasing their tax returns while on audit. That is not the case whatsoever at all. Uh, it's clear. Uh, no one should be confused here. He doesn't want to release his taxes because 
they would show that he's not paying his taxes as the minimal as the minimal reports or the some reports that we've already gotten have already indicated that he is not paying his taxes or if he is paying a substantially um, lower amount than even your average school teacher, which is ridiculous to consider that Donald Trump is paying less than, you know, your average school teacher. But yeah. So there's that. I mean, uh, Joe Biden said, yep, he's released 22 years of his tax returns. You can go check them out. But yeah, uh, Trump keeps perpetuating this claim that uh, his campaign was spied on. Uh, there, there's just really no FBI evidence of this whatsoever at all. The FBI has already stated there. This is a claim that has no backing. Um, I'm happy to hear any other information, but this really just has no backing whatsoever at all when it comes to um, legitimacy. And as I said before, Trump said that President Xi was transparent back in uh, on in January. So this, this this whole notion that Trump has been tough on China this whole time is just completely nonsense. Um, then they get into the relation that Trump has with North Korea. I think that that's very important to consider. Um, Trump is basically trying to say that his relationship with Kim Jong-un is, is great and amazing. That's not really the relationship you want with a dictator. I hope, I hope he realizes that, that that relationship with Kim Jong-un is not necessarily a good thing because what happens is you get all cozy with this dictator and now this dictator thinks they can just walk all over the United States, which is the case considering that North Korea has been expanding their nuclear weapons arsenal. It's that simple. So the, the, this whole idea that Trump having like great relationships with dictators is a good thing is just is, is not true because you're not really getting to the core issue, which is the fact that they are unethically exploiting their people. I mean, so many people still live in poverty in North Korea. I mean, I don't know if that's something we can really solve, but North Korea is still developing long range missiles, some of which can are able to hit U.S. territories. So, yeah. Then they get on to healthcare. I mean, healthcare has obviously been a very, um, very contentious topic. Uh, Trump is convinced that Biden is for Medicare for all or universal healthcare. I mean, I wish, I wish he was. He's clearly not, as he clearly made explicitly clear in that debate. But uh, Trump d doesn't know what to do on healthcare. One, because he doesn't have a plan, but he doesn't know what to do with Joe Biden because he's like, well, this dude doesn't support universal healthcare. Well, I'll just paint him as this radical socialist so that, you know, people will be scared of his healthcare plan. But, um, yeah, uh, he, Trump and the Trump administration have not produced a robust healthcare plan over these years in office. They have not done it. They have not been able to get a plan or have chosen not to put forward a plan when they repeal Obamacare. Trump keeps saying he's going to protect pre-existing conditions. How? 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 What's your plan? What is your plan? Do you have a plan? You don't have a plan. So stop it. Trump keeps slamming socialized medicine. Keeps saying, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Does he not realize that every time he praises Walter Reed Hospital and the amazing treatment that he received there, he was receiving socialized medicine. Walter Reed Hospital is funded by taxpayers, as I've said many times before. So the care he got was thanks to socialized medicine. So this is absolutely ridiculous. Biden keeps saying that he wants to expand the ACA because the ACA was able to increase competition. Gross. That was the worst part of the ACA was increasing competition in health, the healthcare industry. That, that didn't help. There is, there, I'm sorry, profit incentive does not work for the overall beneficial, uh, overall, I guess, beneficial outcomes for the consumer. And by consumer, I mean person who needs health care. It's not profitable to give people health care, as I've discussed in my previous podcast series, Actually Making America Great, on universal health care. It is not profitable when you when you are taking care of people and not sending them bills. And that's why healthcare companies and um, hospitals send people bills, because they have, they're trying to make money. And why would you be trying to make money or why does it make sense to force people to try to make money off of, off of just healthcare? That is something which should be, be provided to people. 
We don't expect the post office to make money. We don't expect the military to make money. Why? Because they're services, not businesses. Healthcare needs to be viewed in the same light as a service, not a business. So, yeah, Biden is obviously not anywhere near progressive when it comes to this whatsoever at all. He supports expanding a public option. That's not going to solve the problem. We're still going to have the same problems. Obamacare was an absolute disaster because it didn't solve the problem, which was the fact that people are not able to afford health care. Many, many, ex- many states did not expand their Medicaid programs, um, which left many people in that awkward gap between qualifying for Medicaid and qualifying for Obamacare. People's insurance is still tied to their job and employment. And I don't know, say a global pandemic came around and wiped out people's jobs. Now they don't have health care when they most need it. It's, it's a disaster. It's, it's not going to fix it. You can't fix it by keeping the profit incentive. You cannot fix anything with capitalism. That's, that's, it, that's as simple as I can put it. Capitalism is made for the few to succeed at the expense of the masses. And that is what we see now when we have the largest economic divide in this country, when we have billionaires making over 600, making or taking in $600 billion total in net wealth, while 27 million people lost their health care and 2 million go, go homeless. What kind of system is that successful? How, how is that a successful system? And how does anyone advocate that that's a successful system? Whatever. All right. Biden keeps saying this, and it, it, it really annoys me a lot. It really pisses me off when Biden says that health care is a right, not a privilege, yet doesn't support universal health care. What other rights in this country do you have to pay for? You don't. You don't have to pay to, to speak, to have free speech. You don't have to pay to have the right to own a gun because that's what it says. You have the right to own a gun. You, If you have the right to affordable health care or have the right to health care, if he thinks health care is a right, that means the government should be providing that. So he doesn't support that. Healthcare is not a right to him. Healthcare is still a privilege because under Obamacare and his Biden care, as he called it, that's gross, um, it would still leave people uninsured and still lead to higher premiums as has happened with Obamacare. So, yeah. This, this, this next part really annoyed me as well. He keeps talking about the fracking ban. No, Biden is not in favor of fracking. Why? One, because the energy system of this country he views as it's not possible to ban fracking. Also, Biden selectively chooses when he wants to believe scientists because Biden's like, let's listen to the scientists on COVID. Scientists say fracking is bad. And Biden's like, shut up, nerds. Like Biden doesn't, I don't know, Biden's vote for Biden because he's not a fascist. That That's my, don't vote for Biden because he's Joe Biden. Like if you vote for Biden, if you're, if you're an enthusiastic Biden supporter, ugh, liberals, like, ugh, I, I, I don't, I, I don't like, I'm, I mean, most people do not like establishment politicians and Biden is that. However, when it comes to being an establishment politician, when it comes to Joe Biden in particular, Trump needs to stop talking about the, oh, you've been in politics for 47 years and gotten nothing done. Biden has done some stuff. He's gotten the uh, the Violence Against Women Act passed. He helped pass Obamacare, which is better than nothing. Like, thank gosh, there are pre-existing conditions that are covered. But no way. No way is that considered what we should be uh, championing as our, you know, I guess, best possible policy. But this whole idea that being in government for 47 years automatically means that you somehow have this all ultimate authority to make everything happen is just completely false. Biden was a senator for many years before he was vice president. Being a senator doesn't afford you that much ability, that, that, that much ability to get things done. You have one vote. You can inter- introduce legislation. But frankly, 
you're basically at the will of all the other senators. You're, you, you can't just like change everything as a senator. And neither is vice president. Vice president isn't that powerful of a role. Vice president, as many people falsely think, is not the second most powerful position in the country. How the, how, the, how the line of power really goes is it goes president of the United States, then majority leader in the Senate, then speaker of the House. The vice president is not on that. The vice president is a very ceremonial role. They don't have a vote in the Senate. They're president of the Senate, but almost always they never actually vote in the Senate. They don't have power there. So to suggest that Biden was, was responsible for all of Obama's failures, yeah, sure, he could have done more. But to say that equivocating vice presidency and being a senator with being president is just is, is just wrong. It's not, it's not, that's, that, that's not how these positions work. President does have much more power than the vice president or a senator. It's just, just that simple. So see what else. And then Trump keeps making this claim that Kamala is more progressive or Harris is more progressive than Bernie Sanders. Uh, no, she's not. Kamala used to be a prosecutor who prosecuted people for weed. Bernie has been advocating for the decriminalization of weed for longer than I've been alive, longer than most of us have been alive. Bernie has, is in no way, don't, don't smear Bernie's name with Kamala. Ugh, stop it. And then Trump keeps touting this. And this is what I don't understand, especially when he tries to brag about the economy. You can't exactly brag about the economy when we're in a recession that is of your own fault. Like he keeps saying, we built the greatest economy. Okay, how's that economy working right now? Not well. You're basically like, you're, you're basically... Basically, okay, this is a weird example. I guess I'll use it because it just came to mind. Like, basically, hypothetically, you get an A on a math test. This actually is not an analogous thing. Fun fact, you get an answer key to a math test, and then you take another math test and fail. Can you point to the answer key and be like, look, look how great this is? No. One, because you didn't do the work, and two, because you failed the next one. And that's how I would describe the relationship between the economy here. Trump inherited a great economy from Obama. Trump in inherited a, a booming economy. One that was rebounding from the recession like we've never seen. And Trump just continued that trend until he trashed it due to the pandemic. So th this idea that he built the greatest economy or that has any relevance right now after he trashed it is just completely, completely false. So, and also he keeps talking about the stock market. Stock market is not an accurate representation. Stock market has zero, zero correlation with how well the average American is doing. The average American doesn't doesn't just look at the stock market and if it's doing great, just forget about the fact that they're 78% of them are living paycheck to paycheck or that they can't afford their health care. No, a few points in the stock market aren't worth it to most people. It's worth it to Donald Trump. He's willing to add a few points to the stock market if it means your grandmother dies or your mother dies or a family member or 200,000 Americans. Then Trump gets into this because they have a conversation surrounding the COVID relief bill, which is definitely long overdue, considering the last one has not, was back in, I think, June or even sooner than that. It was way, way sooner, not June. I think it was like April or May. And there has not been one since there. And people desperately need it. And there's this whole debate right now surrounding when it comes to Nancy Pelosi holding this up. No, Pelosi, Pelosi put up a bill. Pelosi put, put up a bill for like $3 trillion that included things like childcare, as I spoke about before, and things of that nature. And Trump said, no way, make it $1.8 And Pelosi's like, no, we should make it $3 billion, or not, not billion, trillion. And Trump said no and walked away from the table. He actually walked away, said they would be doing no more negotiations until the election. Then the market tanked. And in the same day, he was like, oh, no, fine, I'll come back to the table. Because Donald Trump responds to the stock market. And people were apparently not very happy with the fact that he was just going to, you know, keep letting Americans starve. But- when it comes down to that, no. And the issue with this also is McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, already said they're not going to vote on anything. 
before the election. They're not going to vote on anything. Senate Republicans aren't on board with this for multiple reasons. One, it's probably because they actually want to get back to the fact that they're supposed to be fiscally conservative, as dumb as that is. They want to get back to those like actual principles of conservatism, considering most of them, both both parties are pro-government spending, despite the fact that they say that they're small government, but also due to the fact that they, they, they just do not, Donald Trump does not have like this hand that he can twist. He's not Mitch McConnell. McConnell has much more control over the Senate than Donald Trump does. And he keeps saying that if he puts forward something, Republicans will fall in line. Yeah, nope, I do not see that happening at all. I think what's going to happen is the Democrats are going to keep pushing for their $3 trillion bill that would actually help the American people and not just cut corners on things like child care and um, health care that people actually need. And and Senate Republicans are going to push back against that. And Trump is probably going to push back against it still, even though he said he was going to advocate for it. But there's that. Uh, then they get into some discussion, which is um, interesting when it comes down to raising the federal minimum wage. Obviously, Joe Biden is in favor of raising it to $15 an hour. Uh, I have a podcast on that as well, just ov- on overall the economy. Uh, if you look, I'll link it down below, obviously. But it's um, on, it's called, it's my series, Actually Making America Great. Not mine. I worked on it with a friend named Nasser. Uh, and this, the fourth episode is called uh, An Economy for America. It talks about the benefits of a $15 minimum wage. So I don't want to go into a whole lot of specifics here. If you want to go, I highly recommend you go watch that. I think it was very, very informative. Um, it was very, very fun to um, research that a bit and look at it. But yeah, uh, many benefits to raising the minimum wage, C- countless benefits. It would be a net positive to raise the minimum wage. And it's not like raising it to $15 an hour right away because no one's advocating for that. But regardless, so then they get into the topic of immigration and Trump basically called immigrants who are or people who are bringing because there's a, a lot of talk surrounding the separation policy, separation of families, which uh Gotten to my topic, Amy Coney Barrett was unable to say that separating children from their parents is wrong. That's just disgusting. That is just gross. Whatever. But get, getting down to that, Trump basically said these people who are bringing them are like coyotes, and like I mean, he, he brought up his whole rapists and thugs and things of that sort. But yeah, these people bringing their 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 kids and families across the border are their parents. An overwhelming majority of the time. So to say that we need to separate every single family, 500 kids of which do not know where their parents are. They cannot find their parents after they separated them. That's what happened. And to, 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 to suggest in any way that that makes any logical sense or that, that that Trump is defending this policy to this day, despite the fact that he says, oh, we ended family separation. Well, clearly you didn't end it soon enough because there's 500 parents who or 500 kids who do not have their parents. Something is going wrong here. And he keeps blaming it on Obama. And yes, Obama messed up big time with immigration. Obama deported over 2 million people. Obama built the cages to which those kids sit in. At least in the, at least in the Obama times, there was a 72 hour waiting period. So, or holding period so that people weren't in them for weeks like they are right now under Trump. But regardless, th- this whole notion that Trump is trying to tout what they're doing at the border is fine is just, he was asked the same question about the families and he went immediately to building the wall. He sees immigrant lives and all American lives as expendable for his own political gain. And that's what's been made so abundantly clear throughout this entire process. Trump says that immigration facilities are the cleanest facilities in the country. He's never been to an immigration facility, or if he has, he's lying. Those those, those camps are literally concentration camps. They are defined as concentration camps. And before you get on me about saying, oh, that's so offensive to Jewish people, there have been multiple mainstream Jewish groups that have come out stating, no, that's exactly what they are. And we should call them that because that's exactly what happens. There have been forced hysterectomies of migrant women at the border. We're not that far away. 
people like to put this like oh, oh we, we 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 could never get to where you know uh the, germany went in world war ii that that's never going to happen well we're a lot closer than a lot of people think. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think, oh, that could never happen here. Oh, you know, we're all honestly suddenly all going to realize if, um, you know, a genocide or potential genocide or this things leading up to genocide happen. We're all going to know. But that's the thing. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens slowly. Fear is instituted into people. A leader comes to power that divides people, tries to unite them around a common enemy, tries to refer back to a time of greatness tries to silence all opposition and media. Sound familiar? Yeah, it's because that's kind of what's happening now. And that's why this election is so crucial. We're fighting against fascism the same way they were fighting against fascism. We're fighting the earlier stages of fascism. It's not like Hitler came to power right away. Hitler was democratically elected. He failed to come to power once through the beer hall pooch. He's not, it's not, it's not like the, the, these people are like huge strongmen. It's not like fascists are these huge, you know, like macho men. No, they're scrawny little whiners who are insecure about themselves and need to find, you know, validation in other people, which is what Trump is doing. So <sighs> Trump basically said, and this was odd when they're talking about immigration there, he, he kept saying this, and this is factually inaccurate because they were basically saying when it came down to letting people, it was catch and release where they let people out and they'd come back for a court date. The majority of people did come back for the court date. Some didn't, and that's correct. But a majority of people did come back because of the fact that under the Obama administration, despite deportations, there was a decent amount of allowing people to get citizenship. It could have been much better. And I'm not at all saying that this, you know, discredits or uh, discounts any of the, you know, deportations or, you know, lack of other immigration reform. But people were able to come back because they were able to actually get into this country in a safe way. But yeah. So then we get, and sorry, I didn't finish that sentence. Trump basically said these people are stupid if they come back for their court date. Did Trump literally say people are stupid for following the law? Maybe that's why he breaks the law so much. He thinks following the law is a sign of weakness. Paying your taxes is a sign of weakness. Wearing a mask is a sign of weakness. It's almost like he thinks following the laws of our system, despite being the the, the self-proclaimed law and order candidate, doesn't actually follow the laws. So we move into the next topic, which I think is, you know, very interesting, very important right now in our country, which is race in America, or at least, you know, racism. This is this is what I always like to say. I don't like to say race. We don't want to talk about the issue of race. We're talking about the issue of racism. They are two very different things. We're talking about the bigotry and the prejudice that people have towards people of color and minorities, not the fact that they're black, not the fact that they're Latino, not the fact that they're a minority. We're talking about the fact that there are people who hate them because of their skin color. That is the conversation. And there's an interesting conversation that many African-American parents have to have with their kids, which is discussed, which is what is considered the talk. I'm not going to try to explain this like I understand it because I don't. I'm a white straight male. I do not have the same empathetic um, experience. I, I try to empathize. I do my best to empathize with these people. But I will never understand what it's like to be black in America, and I will never understand what it's like to be pulled over by the police and question whether or not I will go home alive at the end of the night. I've been pulled over by the police before. Uh, not once through my head was I thinking, what I, would I lose my life? My thoughts were, dang, I really don't want to get a ticket. Dang, I really don't want my insurance to go up. Dang, that would really suck. Never was I like, dang, I might die. I can never imagine what that's like to like fear for your life in that way. I, I will never have to experience that. And that's really important to consider when we're discussing this, that being black in America is very, very different. It's not something I will be able to understand. It's not something any white American will truly be able to understand. We can only begin to empathize 
and try to help implement policies that help people who are disenfranchised by institutional racism. So Biden acknowledges that there's institutional racism. Cool. Like we're not, we, we shouldn't be celebrating the fact that we are celebrating people like Joe Biden for saying that climate change and systemic and institutional racism exist is not something we should be doing. That's like thing two plus two equals four. Congrats. You know, a fact that, that that's it. We need to see policy. We need to see what he's going to do to help the black community. And I acknowledge Joe Biden has not put forth as many substantive plans on helping uh, African-Americans as I would hope, considering that the Obama administration didn't do as much for African-Americans as people like to think just because there's a black president doesn't mean the lives of every single African-American are improved. But yay, he acknowledges it exists, which is more than we can say with Trump. Um, Biden or Trump keeps saying that Biden referred to African-Americans as super predators. This is taken out of context. He was discussing many violent criminals who were in his 1994 crime bill, which was terrible. I do not support Joe Biden in that. I think he royally messed up. Um, I think he's beginning to acknowledge that regardless, obviously he needs to be held to account for that. But yes, he did call people super predators. And I think that's a terrible thing to do. But wait a second. If Biden was specifically referring to criminals, then isn't that just as bad as Trump calling whether even be MS-13 rapists and criminals? Because if he thinks that calling uh, violent African-American criminals super predators is wrong, then wouldn't it be wrong to call MS-13 rapists and criminals? Keep keep the same energy there. You choose. You choose which one you want to defend, but you can't have it both ways. So, and then Trump made this absolutely absurd claim, which is that Trump has done more for the black community than any president, but he always makes this exception for Abraham Lincoln. This is just categorically false. This is, this is just categorically false. He tries to bring up black unemployment and opportunity zones and um, historically black colleges and universities. First, let's break that down to unemployment rate. Before the coronavirus pandemic, which we'll get into how that is evident that Donald Trump does not care about African-Americans. But unemployment rate, yeah, it was at an all-time low. Guess what? It just kept going from Obama. Obama created a low black unemployment rate. He brought us back from the recession with Biden's help. Biden was instrumental in the recession recovery, as I've discussed. And that led to an, a, a vast decrease in unemployment. And it just continued under Trump. And Trump's trying to cre- take credit for all of that gains, which is not true. Um, Trump, he's talking about opportunity zones and school choice. I've talked about how school choice is not a long-term solution. School choice helps that one kid who finds a way out of his African-American or finds a way out of his neighborhood that's prominently African-American and therefore is affected by institutional racism and is not able to receive the adequate funding due to policies like redlining that have lower property taxes on houses and leads to less funding for education. That doesn't solve the overall problem. You can't, that doesn't solve the fact that there's, that the, the school that that kid would have gone to is garbage in the first place. There needs to be more done to help that. And that's by investing in those communities. Every single kid can't just move. That's not realistic. We need to invest in the communities that are, th- that, that are currently there. And many things like... Um, donations to historically black colleges and universities and minimal criminal justice are just performative. It's clear Donald Trump does not care about African-Americans. And the way we know is because he's let a global pandemic that disproportionately affects them due to the fact that they are more likely to be on the front lines because they're more likely to be essential workers. They are more likely to not have adequate care of and health care. They're more likely to not have access to preventative care, which leads them to have more pre-existing conditions or uh, chronic illnesses that would lead to this. And they don't have the access to the same resources that other communities do. So they die at a disproportionate rate. 
That's how you know Donald Trump doesn't care about African-Americans. If he did, he would not let this global pandemic get out of control that vastly disproportionately affects them. In comparison to the amount of African-Americans that have died due to this pandemic, his, his minimal donations to historically black colleges and universities is nothing but performative. It's that simple. Trump, and this is true, back when in the, in the 1994 crime bill said there weren't enough people in jail. This is true. Trump said that there weren't enough people in jail. So for, for, for Trump to accuse Biden of all this, and this is, this is the thing, I'm, I'm, I will criticize both because both deserve blame. But to, to state that somehow Donald Trump has any bearing or grounds to criticize Joe Biden on criminal justice when he literally perpetuated this false, this myth that the Central Park Five were guilty despite them DNA evidence proving them innocent and him still advocating for the death penalty and to this day not apologizing for the fact that he was blatantly wrong is proof that he doesn't care. Trump also characterized Black Lives Matter as a hate group. And his defense of this was the only thing he knew about BLM is that they were, you know, rioting and looting. Yeah, that's maybe because the only thing he watches is Fox News. And Fox News once said BLM is a hate group. And he's like, well, I listened to Fox News. That must characterize an entire organization, despite the fact that 93% of Black Lives Matter protests have been peaceful. And a lot of these rioters and looters are not even part of Black Lives Matter. So it's absolutely ridiculous that he's trying to make this claim. Because he doesn't know what he's talking about. He admitted he does not really know what Black Lives Matter is. So he decided to declare it a hate group because he probably heard Tucker Carlson say it one night. This was amazing. The next thing that happens, Joe Biden calls Abraham Lincoln racist. Absolutely Abraham Lincoln was racist. He advocated for sending African Americans back to Africa after. He never believed. He thought African Americans were inferior on every level. He was opposed to slavery. Because he saw it as a moral stain on society, but also an economic stain. There were huge economic implications of slavery. It was, an, it was a war fought over economic implications that involved slavery, as well as slavery. Obviously, that was a forefront issue, the forefront issue. But it was about one expansion of slavery, which they didn't want because they didn't want the South to have more representation because slaves were count, counted as three-fifths of a person. And therefore, if slaves were allowed to be counted as representation in new territories, it would give North less political power. Beside the point, yes, Abraham Lincoln was absolutely racist, and it's and, and it's you know very good that Biden pointed that out. So when Trump at one point accidentally, I think, declared himself to be Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln was racist. So I guess Donald Trump declared himself to be a racist in this debate. Donald Trump keeps declaring, Joe Biden, Joe, why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you do anything in the eight years of, of you being vice president? Biden leaves Trump absolutely speechless, and it was beautiful. You know what, you know what, you, you know, you know what Donald Trump says? Why didn't you do anything? Excellent. Wait a second. I should get the voice, shouldn't I? Joe, why didn't you do anything in the eight years when you were vice president? And Joe Biden basically stated, well, guess what? There was a Republican controlled Congress. Trump was silent. It was hilarious. Trump didn't even know what to say. He's like, well, you got to negotiate with them. You got to negotiate with them. You can't just exactly just change the mind of an entire party on something like healthcare and something like criminal justice. That's not how this works. That's correct. The Republicans had been stonewalling a lot of Obama's things, including the appointment of Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. They were, they were committed to, to blocking many of Obama's legislative um, proposals and Democrats' legislative proposals. So there's that. They get into the whole topic again. They go back to COVID-19 and Trump is, you know, they get into the topic of climate change. Um, you know, that's obviously an existential threat to our society. That's not a debate. That shouldn't be a debate because it's not a debate. 
And it's it's just it's it's not even it's not even content contested now. But Trump keeps touting this, and I've refuted it over and over and over and over, but I'll say it again because he said it anyway. Fracking, not fracking. I mean Biden, there was a whole discussion around fracking, but Regardless, when we're talking about emissions, Trump keeps saying that right now we have the cleanest air and the cleanest water and emissions are at an all-time low. Did did you ever consider that's because a global pandemic has ravaged the entire country and therefore we are currently in a state in which many very few people are traveling? Therefore, there's going to be less emissions? It's almost like you messed up the economy and our country. You, you, you botched the response so much that it led to there being improved air quality. That, that, that's not a net win because that has nothing to do with what you did. What, what we're basically saying here is he has been consistently rolling back environmental regulations, which, by the way, disproportionately affects African-Americans. There was a whole discussion around people who live near oil refineries and stuff having, you know, getting very sick from the pollutants, which and that disproportionately affects African-Americans. One, because they're more likely to live in more urban areas, which leads to more pollution. And because they live in those areas, over half of the African-American population breathes unclean air. So yes, this has this has everything to do with systemic racism. Systemic racism affects every single part of our society in every single way because every institution was founded upon that. It was founded upon oppressing African Americans. Every single institution because our country was founded on the enslavement of African Americans. It was founded on the backs of slave labor. It was founded to preserve that institution. And once we got rid of it, the remnants still remain. Biden obviously said he won't ban fracking. Gross. It's disgusting. You need to ban fracking. It's absolutely terrible for the environment. I don't care how much money it's bringing in. Partially, one, because most of that just goes to the rich fossil fuel companies and not as much to the people. But also, there are more um, efficient and effective ways to do that. Trump keeps saying Biden says he wants to ban fracking. Biden says he wants to ban new fracking contracts on federal land. He doesn't, you know, Radical position, I know everyone. Joe Biden doesn't think we should, you know, destroy Yosemite National Park and Yellowstone to get oil. Whoa, I know, but that's pretty that's pretty controversial, isn't it? I'm joking. All right. If we get into the last question, and I think this was really, really important. Uh basically both candidates are asked, and this is this is an interesting question. They say, Okay, imagine, um imagine it's it's January 20th. You both, you, you both of you pretend you are, are reelected or elected in the case of Joe Biden. What would you, what, what would your like one minute spiel to the American people be? You know, Trump just kept going on a tirade, kept talking about, uh, the black unemployment rate, talking about, you know, Barack Obama and aspects. It's honestly just irrelevant to the current pandemic. The, the current black unemployment rate is, is exponentially higher due to the pandemic. So everything he said, every time he boasts about the economy, it's just, it should fall on deaf ears. Because there's nothing substantive there. And then Joe Biden came back and said he'll be a president for all Americans, which, you know, he's not going to because he's, you know, an establishment politician, still going to, you know, work for the corporations as all of them do. But regardless, there's a clear choice here, and it is Joe Biden. I thought it was interesting. I, if, if I were Joe Biden, what I would have said if they asked me what my inauguration, I would be, my, my thing would be, phew, we did it. We got him out of office. Thank God. Like that would be my first thing. That would be really funny if Joe Biden had actually said that. But yet again, the question was to voters who didn't vote for you. So that probably wouldn't um, be very appealing to them. But yeah, overall, I thought it was an interesting debate. I will not go so far to say it was productive because, you know, I don't think any of these debates are productive. But I mean, what does that say about our society now that we live in a country and a time when presidential debates are complete BS and you don't learn anything from them. I think that that's, that's very indicative of how we live. So 
overall, uh, definitely more civil than the first one, but I can't really say it was, you know, a whole lot different when it comes to substance. So thank you very much for watching. Um, I'm glad I was able to uh, cover this. Glad I was able to watch the debate. Um, I thought it was interesting as always to, um, think through this, uh, think through everything that's going on. Um, I urge you all to please, if you have not already vote, every one of you, I know some of you are probably watching or like just eligible to vote. Maybe you haven't thought about it. I know voter turnout is going to be record highs this year, but the more people who vote, the better and is more important. There needs to be people going out and voting. Biden needs to win by a landslide. So Trump can't argue in the margins. Trump can't argue that 80 million votes were by illegal immigrants. Of course, Biden isn't going to win by that margin. But he can't he can't make the claim that he made in 2016, which is the only reason he lost a popular vote, was millions of illegal immigrants casting ballots illegally. Like, that, that, that obviously didn't happen. That's the claim he made. But a, a resounding win to Biden really, really lessens the impact or the possibility of Trump finding a way to weasel his way into his second term illegitimately. But yeah. overall, thank you very much for watching. Hope you enjoyed this segment and um, hope you all have a good night and take care.